If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Good morning. Welcome from Mayflower Congregational United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. Let us pray together. It's really tempting, Holy One. It's really tempting to check out, to shut down, be done with it all. We are angry and anxious. We are tempest-tossed and tired. We would really like to fast forward to the part where everything has been worked out, every tear has been dried, and all has been made right. But this is not how it works not even for Jesus, who also asked that this cup pass from him. And we know how that ended, in faithfulness. We, too, have more work in front of us, more prayer, more protest, more practicing your justice, more mercy and love. Oh, that we will be found faithful to the end. Soften our hearts, Holy One, and strengthen our spirits. Rally our resolve to love one another, every single other. We pray in the name of love itself. Amen. Our scripture lesson comes from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ to Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Can we take a deep breath together? In through your nose, out through your mouth. Most people I know have had trouble breathing lately. It's hard to breathe when you live in a dumpster fire. It's even harder because we know that it doesn't have to be this way 
As journalist Max Fisher explains, the world over, mass shootings are frequently met with a common response. Officials impose new restrictions on gun ownership. Mass shootings become rarer. Homicides and suicides tend to decrease too. After a British gunman killed 16 people in 1987, the country banned semi-automatic weapons like those he had used. It did the same with most handguns after a 1996 school shooting. It now has one of the lowest gun-related death rates in the developed world. In Australia, a 1996 massacre prompted mandatory gun buybacks that saw, according to some, as many as one million firearms melted into slag. The rate of mass shootings plummeted from once every 18 months to, so far, only one in 26 years. Canada also tightened gun laws after a 1989 mass shooting. So did Germany in 2002, New Zealand in 2019, and Norway last year. Even in Australia, where conservative-leaning politics and rural traditions have long favored gun ownership, citizens broadly accepted the gun buyback. Some even surrendered weapons that they were legally permitted to keep in a show of support for their country's tightening gun laws. Only the United States, whose rate and severity of mass shootings is without parallel outside of conflict zones, has so consistently refused to answer those events with tightened gun laws. In fact, it appears that the only thing that seems to have had any impact on restricting gun access in America is its devotion to racism. In the 1950s and 1960s, a number of high-profile black activists and political leaders advocated for gun rights for African Americans, arguing that the Second Amendment applied to all citizens and that black communities required firearms for self-defense because police offered little protection. In response, police, government officials, and mainstream society began to label these black leaders and the larger equality movements they represented as insane. The FBI diagnosed Malcolm X with pre-psychotic paranoid schizophrenia after he posed with a gun and advocated armed black self-reliance. The FBI then went on to promote the notion that armed black Americans under Malcolm X's direction planned to overthrow the government. The FBI also diagnosed Robert Williams, the head of the Monroe, North Carolina chapter of the NAACP as schizophrenic, armed and dangerous after he advocated for black armed self-defense. The Bureau then used these characterizations as an excuse to limit gun rights and take away guns from black populations across the South. Distorted images of Huey Newton and the Black Panther leaders were also used to foment fear in white America after the Panthers advocated for armed self-defense, contributing to a groundwell of support for the Gun Control Act of 1968, which banned the interstate shipments of firearms and ammunition to private individuals and sales of guns to minors, drug addicts, and quote, mental incompetence. 
But then the reports and statistics and reality started to roll in. It turns out that the people who commit the most gun violence, whether in the home or on a mass scale, are overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly male. Rather than restrict white male access to guns, we returned to the insanity explanation, but this time declared that mental health causes these fringe events. And since we can't control the personal circumstances of every human being, nothing can be done about these so-called lone wolves. This is still the claim, despite the evidence that when countries tighten gun laws, it leads to fewer guns in private citizens' hands, which leads to less gun violence and to fewer mass shootings. But I do not need to tell this congregation all of those things. You have heard it before. There isn't a month that goes by without the mention of gun violence in a pastoral prayer or a sermon or a Sunday school discussion or a small group conversation. We've hosted Moms Demand Action meetings. Last summer, we had the Oklahoma chapter leader of Moms as a distinguished pulpit speaker. For us, this is and has been a matter of faith. But now what? Now what? Now what? Oh, that over the past few years there have been mass shootings on military bases, in municipal buildings, at festivals, bowling alleys, concerts, and schools. Now what? That we've laid to rest the last of the ten black people killed in the racist attack at a Buffalo supermarket. Now that more of our precious children have been gunned down by an AR-15. What now? Even now? The NRA still feels confident enough to hold its annual meeting in Houston, just a four-hour drive from Robb Elementary. What, as Chris Murphy, the senator from Connecticut, asked his fellow lawmakers, what are we doing? Why are we here? This congregation is asking itself that too in utter frustration and bewilderment and despair. What now, what are we doing? What are we doing? We are here to be reminded that our commitment, our hope, our belief, our action is not based on how we happen to feel at any given moment or how much progress has or has not been made or on what the talking heads tell us on the television or what our odds are. Our commitment, our hope, our belief, our action is based on following the one who turned his face towards Jerusalem knowing that things would not go smoothly, but who went anyway. The one who Paul describes in our text as obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Obedient.
also known as faithful. It really feels like we're doing a lot of losing lately, and that's because we are losing lives, losing reproductive rights, losing, losing access to bathrooms, losing hope that anything will change. But I'll tell you, this is where we do our best work. I do not say that joyfully. I do not say that with false positivity. I say it with a knot in my stomach and a brick in my heart and tears in my eyes. This is where we do our best work. There are no promises that we will actually see thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is how it is for followers of the way. A careful reading of our scripture lesson explains that Jesus emptied himself of whatever claims to peace and comfort he could have made. And he died on a cross to reveal the oppression and injustice of corrupt power and relentless oppression. And he did that without the promise of reward, without the promise of success, without the promise that God would swoop in at the last minute and save the day. And indeed, God did not swoop in at the last minute and save the day. Jesus died on that cross. This is our kind of resolve. We will be faithful, faithful like Jesus was faithful to the end. And here's the thing, we have been here before. We know that things take longer than they should we have experienced falling down, being pushed back, denied, told no, shouted over, and dismissed. We just keep being faithful. Let us remember as a congregation that this is what we did with marriage equality. On October 6, 2014, we hosted 14 weddings of couples of the same gender. That did not just happen. It did not just happen because we are the pretty little church with red brick and white steeple. It happened because we were doing the work and we were ready. We had been doing the work for years. In 2001, this congregation unanimously adopted our covenant of openness and affirmation. The full covenant is hanging in our hallway. If you read it now, you know that the language needs some updating but it was the language of the day, and even still, its meaning is crystal clear. Over the next 13 years, we celebrated civil unions, and our queer members served as deacons, trustees, vacation Bible school volunteers, and engaged in otherwise standard, annoying church people behavior. All the while, this congregation insisted that the laws of our state and nation reflect that queer beloveds are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. You did it 
Even during the most awful years, like in 2004, when the state legislature approved of a constitutional ban on same-sex marriage and voters approved state question 711, which banned same-sex marriage. But this church was faithful anyway. It held the line of love. So when the 10th Circuit Court struck down Oklahoma's ban on same-sex weddings, our church bells were already ringing. We married 14 couples in this sanctuary that night, 35 by the end of the week, and by the time the Supreme Court made it, the law of the land six months later, I had stopped counting. There were no promises back in 2001 that any of that would happen. That's why it was so important for us to be faithful. We just kept at it. This work on gun violence is no different. We will stay the course. We will advance the baton. We will interrupt, disrupt. We will continue to do the work we have been doing, and then some. And if you are thinking to yourself, well, this isn't actually something I've, I've worked on before, today is the day. Do not let one more minute go by without being faithful. Start your long game faithfulness right this minute. Join the Oklahoma chapter of Moms Demand Action and then show up at their meetings, bring friends, make calls, send emails, protest and pray. And we are going to push back against narratives like more guns will make us safer and attempts to arm teachers. And for the literal love of God, we will insist on ending the militarization of the police, and we will stop letting mental health take the blame. We will so regularly interact with our gun-worshipping congressional delegation on this issue that they will know our first names. Because if our children cannot have peace, then Inhofe, Langford, Bice, Hearn, Lucas, Cole, and Mullen cannot have peace either. We will use our holy imagination and push for things that maybe we haven't tried before. Perhaps working with the Oklahoma City Police Department to hold a gun buyback event. They, they did this in Sacramento. The Sacramento police did this and both legal and illegal guns were brought in, no questions asked, in exchange for gas vouchers. The event was so popular that they ran out of vouchers in under an hour. And you know what else we are going to do? We are going to house each other, feed each other, clothe each other, pray for each other, organize each other. We will do this in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our interfaith gatherings, in our fellowship hall, in our sanctuary. We will take care of each other in the seemingly small ways so that we know we can trust each other when the big terrible things happen. What we will not do is give up or give in or check out. So let's take another deep breath in together.
and let it out. Now let's go be faithful. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. with Sunday school classes for all ages at 9 a.m. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.